Guys, I'd never seen this before. Yeah, I think we both had an accidental good time. Like, guys? <laughs> The music in this movie is so good, uh-huh. you forget that it's a parody. Yeah, a little bit. And you forget that they're making fun of the music. <laughs> because you're actually into the music. The duet song had me rolling. Let's do it <laughs> in ways that make us feel good. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't wait. And John C. Riley, you're a comedic genius. <laughs> I know you didn't write the film, but like he executed it well. And he's so good, Carrie. I know he's such a good performer. <laughs> oh he my got God. nominated for an Oscar for Chicago, <laughs> and then he did this, which is super funny. Oh my God! Anyway. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where this is not a good song. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the. <laughs> I can't even. I can't get through this. <sighs> the 2007 <laughs> musical parody film, Walk Hard. Walk Hard, not Walk the Line. Walk, walk Hard. <laughs> the Dewey Cox story. I just got it. Yep. It literally just. Wait, oh, it, oh my, I can't believe it's been going over my head this whole time. Like, rock hard. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I literally just got it in this moment. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, rock hard. Rate, review, rock hard. We want everyone to come and rock hard with us this season. <laughs> Why don't y'all join our little watch party? Oh man. Our little why do we call it a watch party? No. I know I've I've posed this question before. It's a listen party, right? Yeah, like But if they watch it independently of this. I know, we will have fulfilled a goal. Absolutely. And listen, between you and me, sometimes I listen to us in the car on a long trip because it's a responsible way to watch a movie while driving. Absolutely. I'm seeing the movie on the back of my eyelids. Well, not the back of my eyelids. My eyes are open. Yeah, no. I promise. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, don't close your eyes while you drive here. <laughs> oh, guys, did you know that there's never been a better time to give us your money? Go check out the Patreon. Guys, for just $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level. For that, you're getting a guaranteed two posts a month. You're getting access to all of our television coverage, all of our long-form coverage, all of our shooting the shit with Carrie and Ross. Maybe a little criticism. Maybe a little review. Maybe some quiz shows stacked against me. <laughs> I'm designing the next one. I know. I know. And you get access to all that bonus content for just $5 a month, guys. It's all over there. We did long-form content last year. We did John Adams from HBO, and we did Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House. There's 50 bajillion full coverage episodes over there. It's waiting for you over there right now. You just got to hit the link. You just got to subscribe, guys. Pretty please. We appreciate your patronage. And, guys, if you want access to our full catalog, of main feed goodness, you go right on over to our Podbean page. There you can get a custom RSS link and listen in any player of your choosing. All right. You ready to walk hard? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cox? Mr. Cox. Give him a minute, son. Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays. 
from the time he was a boy. Ain't no six-year-old understand the true meaning of the blues. I reckon I might. I done a bad thing. Cut my brother in half. It's not bad for your first time. The music of Dewey Cox Take my hand has had an effect on people. It's the devil's music. From the guy who brought you Talladega Nights and Superbad. You have got to give up this dream. You're never going to make it. And maybe you don't believe in me after all. I do believe in you. I just know you're going to fail. Columbia Pictures presents The Epic Journey. Walking to the top of a mountain ain't easy. It's a long, hard walk. But I will walk hard. Of the man who became a legend. Walk hard. The Beatles want to hang out, so I'm going to go do that. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can imagine. This Christmas. I'm leaving you. You can take the children. But you leave me, my monkey. When it comes to music... I ain't good enough to follow Elvis. There's two things you need to know. I'm the king, and number two is... Look out, man! You see how close I came to your head? I can chop a man in half. I'm guilty as John! No legend is bigger than Cox. You about my new wife, Cheryl Cox T? Thanks, buddy Holly. What do you think, George Harrison? The one, the only, Dewey Cox. Well, thank you, Eddie Vader. Walk hard. What happened to you, Dewey? I don't know, but I know what happened to you. Patrick Deppy took a beating. Walk hard. My life has been blessed, from my singing to my family to my sausage. It doesn't say cocks unless I say it tastes like cocks. Guys, as as you know, we're doing parody films this this month on the Patreon. We're doing some fool ass films, right? Mm-hmm. But this time we're doing parodies specifically. And last week we did Cabin in the Woods. Last week we did Cabin in the Woods. You know the horror parody genre. And what have we moved into now? The biopic parody <laughs> genre. Which listen, I think again when we were originally gonna do scary movie. And I just did not like it. Yeah, no, it's awful. Uh, you know, I think that it's because there was like, I don't know, the, the execution of parodying the drama was a little clumsy for me. And this movie, I think, is done super well when it comes to getting the jokes in there. It makes no sense how poorly this film did. I <laughs> This is a this is funny. Like well, and it, it's not like I mean, yeah, there it has its moments because what is this? Unappetizing. Yes, it's an appetow project. We, we have unappetizing moments like we did in Bridesmaids. Uh-huh. You know, because white people can't write a movie without being racist. But <laughs> Jesus. Looking at you, Quentin Tarantino. Uh-huh. I love your movies, but God it's offensive. It is. It is. We should play a drinking game. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to say. Let's watch Django Unchained. No. And then let's drink every time the N-word is used. No. And we'll be absolutely obliterated by 30 minutes in. No, we'll die of alcohol poisoning. I can't. Uh... <laughs> Not a good idea. Anyways. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> God, Kicking and Streaming does not endorse the playing of dangerous drinking games. All right, guys, this was a new one for both of us. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, Carrie Ann has played me 
music from it before. Yeah. And explained it to me before. Because I've seen it out of, I've heard it out of context. Yeah, and guys, John C. Riley. Oh, he's a great entertainer. He's funny. He can fucking sing. I think he's cute as hell. He can also do a drama. Yeah. We need to talk about Kevin. I oh. forget that he's the dad. Or the, I forget that he's the dad, and he, we need to talk about Kevin. And he's one of the husbands in the hours. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Richard, he's Richard. Uh, yeah. Woof. I went into this thinking, God damn it, this is going to be like scary movie all over again, isn't it? I thought it was going to be a mockumentary. Oh, you did? I did. I, yeah. th- I thought it was going to be that kind of biopic <laughs> parody, but no, it is a full on. It's so funny, guys. I, d- I was not expecting this. I honestly wasn't. I thought because it had done so poorly, and literally I've never heard anybody talk about it until I'd heard that one of the songs. I was just like, what? Directed by Jake Kazdan. You will know him from his directorial features such as Bad Teacher. Oh, brother. Listen, that's a piss poor film. It is. But it's funny. Yeah. When Cameron Diaz is trying to get Phyllis Smith to smoke weed in the gym no. with what's his name from Freaks and Geeks? Yeah, Jason with with, with Jason Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should get back to the part. Just fucking do it. <laughs> weed is awesome. <laughs> he also directed those new Jumanji movies. Oh boy. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, Jake. I you did a good one here. Yeah. Let, let, let me just say it's written by fucking Judd Apatow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Jake Kasdan. Jake, you should have reined him in a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> This movie was a $35 million production with a $20 million profit. Oops. They lost $15 million on this. And I don't get it, Carrie. The soundtrack was nominated for a Grammy Award. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But we've known plenty of maybe not so objectively great things that have been nominated for awards like that. Oh, my God. It's more of a cult classic now, you know? Oh, please. Anyway. I mean. <laughs> walk hard. We are obviously parodying the old... <laughs> I don't even put it. We are obviously parody par- parodying. Yes. We are obviously parodying the all of the old singers, right? From the golden age of music, right? And the biopics made about their lives. Like Ray. Yep. With, and... with, with Jamie Foxx and uh-huh. Walk the Line with Johnny Cash. That is the primary story we're parodying here. Yeah. And Oh boy, I'm glad Johnny Cash wasn't alive to see this. Yeah, no. Jesus Christ. And so, obviously, this is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> Dewey Cox is this character who is an amalgamation of... Johnny Cash and all of these other Golden Age singers, right? Mm -hmm. Roy Orbison, Glenn Campbell, Bob Dylan, Jerry Lee Lewis, The Beatles, Conway Twitty. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. (laughs) Yeah, Neil Diamond, Hank Williams, Buddy Holly, Elvis, you know. Uh Uh-huh. And so we're going to, it literally, the way this movie goes along, I'm like, this is literally Walk the Line to begin with. And I didn't think it was going to deviate at all from making fun of Walk the Line. (laughs) But it does, and it incorporates a lot of uh, funny different aspects from that that time period. Um, Guys, 
we've got names. I'm going to tell you who everyone is, and we're going to get to the content. Maybe we leave the people who appear as themselves for when they come up. Sure. Just to sure. save us a little time because here. Because a lot of these people have been with us before. Oh, yeah. And you can look up their creds yourself. I'm literally, every time we do We've Got Names, guys, I'm literally just reading from the Wikipedia page. Like, you can you can look it up yourself. Like, Corey, if you're still listening, uh, this would be a great connector for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. This would connect so many movies automatically. Corey, we don't hang out enough. I love you. I'm sorry. He's he's keeping track of how all of our movies are related. He deserves our attention. Yeah, he does. (laughs) We love you, Corey. All right. As Dewey Cox, the namesake, we've got John C. Riley. We love John C. Riley. I love him. You know what? I'm going to talk about his creds, Uh and then we're going to move on. Guys... You will know him from Boogie Nights, Chicago. Yeah. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane. Gangs of New York, The Aviator. Guys, he's Dr. Steve Brule (laughs) from Tim and Eric's Super Awesome Show or whatever the fuck it's called. Was it like keeping it cool with Dr. Steve Brule or something like that? Yadangus. Yadangus. Step Brothers, famously, Talladega Nights, Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Guardians of the Galaxy, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. He's been with us before, hasn't he? On the hours. That's right. He was with us when we did the hours. We literally just said that. I like his random little role in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. He plays Gilbert's like weird friend who's really jazzed to work at a hamburger restaurant that came to the town on the back of a truck. As Edith Cox, the first of who knows how many of Dewey's wives... <laughs> Please welcome her back. We have Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. She was just with us two weeks ago. In Bridesmaids. As Paw Cox. What the fuck? Paw Cox. <laughs> we have Raymond J. Barry. We know him from Flubber. Yeah. Oh, we haven't done Flubber yet. Mm-mm. I'm disappointed in us. As Ma Cox, we have Margot Martindale, character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> She's been with us before. We well, love her as Fat Annie Mae or whatever the hell her name she is. She was in The Hours and she was in August Osage County. <laughs> See, no, I'm doing creds. I can't do creds. (laughs) Playing Darlene Madison Cox, the second of who knows how many of Dewey's wives. Guys, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, Jenna Fisher. Nope. She was with us when we covered Slither, remember? Fuck me. She's in Slither. Please don't bring it up. (laughs) No. No, as far as I'm concerned, this is her first time with us. Fine, fine. We've got... Tim Meadows, please welcome him back. He was with us when we did Mean Girls. He is playing Sam McPherson, Dewey Cox's drummer and drug dealer. Yeah. Oh, dear. As uh, the... Ch- what is... Is that a bass that Chris Parnell is playing? <laughs> I don't know music. I don't know instruments. Like, Yeah, I think it's a bass, yes. Chris Parnell... Uh, we- I'm sorry. I will mention Archer. Yeah. Because he's Cyril? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, he's Cyril. I like Chris Parnell better in voice roles. <laughs> Who's he playing? He is playing Theo. Yeah, Theo. And then Matt Besser is playing Dave. He is a comedian. <laughs> um, We've seen him in things. Guys, uh, portraying Nate Cox, Dewey's brother, as the little version is Chip Hormess, but as the older version and uncredited. Oh, yeah. Baby Jonah Hill. You know how many incredibly successful comedians are not credited? In this film? I know, I know. When you look at the Wikipedia page, it says uncredited, uncredited, uncredited. As Dewey's manager, Schwartzberg. Oh, Lord. We have David Krumholtz. 
as Bobby Shad, Craig Robinson from The Office. Yep. As Lachaim is fucking Harold Ramis. I couldn't believe that. He was with us and we did Ghostbusters, obviously. He created Ghostbusters. Like, Upatow must have pictures of Harold Ramis in his underwear. How else would you rope him into this? As Dreidel Lachaim, fuck you, Judd Apatow. <laughs> <laughs> we have Simon Helberg. He's from Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Uh, Philip Rosenthal is Mazel Tov, the other Lachaim person. I think he executive produced Everybody Loves Raymond. John Michael Higgins is the recording engineer. You'll know him from Pitch Perfect. Ed Helms is the stage manager. <laughs> you know Ed Helms. He was listening when we did The Hangover. Uh, Jane Lynch is Gail. She's been with us a couple of times. <laughs> Gail's the news reporter. He, she's one of Apatow, Apatow's faves. Skylar Gisondo plays Dewey's son, Dewdrop, <laughs> or Duford Cox. Because <laughs> Duford is Dewey's full name. <laughs> Duford Cox Jr. Skylar Gisondo He's the oldest kid on the Righteous Gemstones. That's right. Yeah, the one who's like betraying them behind their backs. Yeah. Um, as uh, Jack Brayer appears for five seconds as a radio <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Rance Howard is the preacher, Ron Howard's brother. Really? Yeah. Huh. And then um, we've got Frankie Muniz's buddy Holly. <laughs> Baby Frankie Muniz. I know. I don't give a fuck about the bitches that are Big Bopper and Elvis. They are nobodies to me. <laughs> Guys, the actual temptations. Yeah, no. Seriously. I like, I'm sorry. You said, you said, well, they're credited. We'll do the, okay, gotcha, (laughs) gotcha. All right, no, there's some other really big names in here, but we're going to wait. Yeah, we're just going to wait. We absolutely have to get to the content. All right, Carrie. Yeah. (laughs) Not immediately starting out with Seth Meyers, brother. (laughs) Is that who that guy is? Yeah, he's late night. He's late night host Seth Meyers, actor brother. He was on Mad TV. He's wondering where Dewey Cox is. It's time for Dewey Cox to perform. And he's the stage manager. Yeah. He's like, Dewey, you're going on in two minutes. Where are you? Mr. Cox? You're going to have to give him a moment, son. Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays. But, like, Principal Duvall from Mean Girls. <laughs> Sam. Tim Meadows, Sam, has to tell us first that Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire <laughs> life before he plays. I, I loved that. Like, that's that's obviously in the trailer. And when I saw that trailer, I was like, this might be good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, this might be good. I really like that joke. So while John C. Riley leans against this wall... <laughs> We're going to get the entire narrative of Dewey Cox's life. Yeah. Do you know how long that man stood there? Exactly. It was like 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're transported to Springbury, Alabama in 1946. I think Dewey's seven years old at this point, and this is, of course, going to be the backstory on how he got interested in music, right? It's like Johnny Cash from the backwoods, Uh the American South. Like, obviously... They live on a farm. Yeah, and, like, inside, we see this little kid playing the piano exquisitely, and you think this is going to be Dewey. (laughs) It's not. It's not. It's his older and much more talented brother, Nate. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, like, it just, from the moment we see Nate, I'm like, oh, no. When I grow up, I'm going to be a great composer and professional baseball player. Then, I'm going to be an astronaut, and I'm going to go to the moon. There's nothing I won't do with this long, long life of mine. For sure. That's what's great about being young. There's so much time to do great things. 
I know what's going to happen here. I wrote, oh, God, the brother who will definitely die because he's Johnny Cash and this is Walk the Line. Yeah, like basically, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm getting back to that in a moment. But they literally, guys, they're giving you all these lines, all these lines from the brother that are like, isn't that what's great about being young? You got all this time <laughs> to live your dreams. And then they start doing every dangerous thing you can possibly do on a farm. All the ways they air quote play together like they're racing tractors and playing with a blowtorch chasing bulls yeah like they are being dangerous the rattlesnake ah what the fuck why were they trying to catch the rattlesnake i don't i those kids get up to something fierce in the south i swear (laughs) and then the final thing we do together as brothers what the is a machete fight. It's a parody. It's supposed to be funny, but no, like... No, but like, this is what I'm saying, because they <laughs> they start using the machetes, but they have them in the leather sheaths. Yeah, so they don't cut each other. And uh, then Dewey swings the machete back, and the sheath goes flying off of it, and he um cuts his older brother in half. Literally. <laughs> Literally. He bisects him at the waist. And then he's sitting on the ground, his top half, still moving and talking. I've been halved. (laughs) Oh, no. Dewey, I'm cutting half pretty bad. In case I don't make it, then you have to be double great for the both of us. Wow, that's a lot of pressure, Nate. You can handle it, Dewey. Now run, get Paul. See, this is why I... I wrote, the way he is in half, I was not prepared. (laughs) I wasn't either. I was like, oh no, how gross is this going to be? And Nate, torso on the ground, upright, (laughs) is like, all right, Dewey, now you have to be double great for both of us. Oh, man. And I'm like, ah, crap. See, (laughs) the way the little kid playing Dewey, that's a lot of pressure, Nate. (laughs) I don't know. It does a really good job of imitating a little John C. Riley. Like, this is what I'm saying. I, the, the reason I'm glad Johnny Cash was not alive for this is because, guys, that's kind of how his brother died. Yeah. He got cut by a table saw at work and was cut almost in half. I... But he lived for a week. Ew. Oh, uh, yeah, no, uh-uh. Ow. Yeah, oof. So we see the family, Ma and Pa, and then the doctor comes out oh, no. after inspecting Nate's in half body. Yeah. This line was the first one that made me wet myself. <laughs> okay. This was a particularly bad case of somebody being cut in half. I was not able to reattach the top half of his body to the bottom half of his body. Speak English, Doc. We ain't scientists. I'm sorry, folks. He's he's gone. <laughs> This was a particularly bad case of someone being cut in half, (laughs) says the doctor to his parents. (laughs) And character actress Margot Martindale. I love her so much. She's Ma, right? She's Uh Ma Cox. And the dad, Pa Cox, is immediately blaming Dewey for the whole thing. My thing is... Y'all shouldn't have had machetes. Listen, they do have use on a farm. It is also a parody, which I will say a thousand times. And this is where Pa begins to just 
hate Dewey and everything Dewey is. The wrong kid died is what he will say over and over again. It's going to be his new catchphrase. And I just, uh, it's so awful. It, it's truly terrible. But yeah, this is going to be part of why he's so uh, pressed to succeed, right? Because Nate dies, obviously, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. dead. He was cut in half. And the trauma of the event causes Dewey to lose his sense of smell? I, I was like, like Stevie Wonder. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I don't get it. I do get it because they're writing that in. But so he goes to immediately to the general store for his mother, and while he's in there buying stuff, there's just a group of black blues musicians playing in the corner. Ah, the white boy discovers the blues from old black man so that he can steal it and use it to achieve. Uh, yeah, that is basically what's going on here because they teach him how to play guitar in 15 seconds. And when he opens his mouth to sing, the singing, he sounds like BB King. <laughs> the way that old guy goes, not bad for your first time. <laughs> I don't know that thing. Cut my brother in half. It's not bad for you first time. The cut, I, the I cut my brother in half blues. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! And so we cut to Springberry High School talent show in 1953. I, wrote, I shit you not, they want us to think John C. Riley is 14 years old. I wrote, it's 1953 and he's John C. Riley and he's 14. <laughs> Which is just funny because they do this to us all the time in movies, right? Yeah. But what's extra funny about it is that the boys in his little band are, are actual teenagers. Yeah. I, <laughs> that, that's Dewey Cox and the Dewey Cox Four. Oh, good grief. Which is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> And they're here at the talent show tonight to sing Take My Hand. A song he wrote. Yeah. And like, this is, oh my God, I can't. And guys, when they begin to sing the song, yeah, something takes hold. <laughs> it's both immense outrage and immense ecstasy. Ecstasy? Yeah. Like, I don't like... know. Like, all of the teenagers and the girls are getting up and gyrating and opening their blouses. Oh, Come on and take my hand. It's the devil's music. It's parents who were like, this is the devil's music. Which is how everyone in the 1950s felt about American music at the time. What, there's one guy that vomits. Yeah. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> and like, that's when I saw Kristen Wiig in the audience and I was like, oh, no, she's in this movie. Yeah, oh I my know. God. She's his girlfriend because he pointed at her while he was singing. <laughs> she's supposed to be 12. What the fuck? <laughs> And, like, we cut to a lynch mob forming outside their farmhouse. Yeah, and Paul Cox is like, get out. You have brought disgrace upon us. Because he's only 14. He can afford to be a man, right? Yeah, it's 1953. <laughs> and then this Dewey goes into this great big speech about how Springberry just isn't big enough for him, you know? Yeah. All I need is my music. I've seen my path today, and I'm going to take it. And someday, I'll make my masterpiece. And you'll all be proud of me. Just like you were of Nate. 
Can I come, Dewey? Of course you can, Edith. You're my girlfriend. I am? Yes, silly. I pointed at you in the audience. Edith's gonna go with him because they've just decided they're together? He pointed at her. Yeah, I know. So now they're together. That's how it worked in the 50s. <laughs> and we cut to literally a year later. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Dewey's Dewey's not famous yet. Yeah, he's mopping up in a club. Yeah, a club. I love the club. It's called Leroy's. I did not catch the name. Good. I'm glad you got the name. Yeah, and he's still trying to make it as a singer, watching all the other black musicians sing at Leroy's. And The main crooner at Leroy's is Bobby Shad. Yeah, yeah. Craig Robinson. I wonder if he's singing. He is. You know that's him. Oh, my dun, God. Myth. Oh, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. I forgot about that. Anyway. The while he's crooning out this tune, the way all of the black patrons are dancing so nasty. Yeah. And like it, erotically. It's a little much. <laughs> it's a little much. I think it's hilarious. Oh no, like, yeah. It's just I just anyway. Yeah, Dewey is working in this club. He's also 15 with a wife and a child. Yeah, he and Edith are married and have a toddler. And motherhood has not mellowed Edith at all. Like she's this frustrated Harridan caricature. The same way Vivian Diston was. Yeah. Do you know who that is? She was, I'm sure, Johnny Cash's, Cash's first, first wife. wife. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're having a fight about how he's not serious or a good provider. And this speech about how he's going to make all his dreams come true. But life is hard, isn't it? It ain't easy to walk to the top of a mountain. It's a long, hard walk. It's a rocky road. But I plan on walking. Oh, I'm going to walk. Hard. I will walk hard. The way he looks off into middle distance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we cut to Leroy's lounge, and Bobby Shad has two broken hands and laryngitis. And so is not performing. <laughs> they ain't got no singer. And this is where Dewey, of course, is going to commit his first act of taking an opportunity away from another black musician. Exactly. Um, yeah. The manager of Leroy's, Leroy, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming he's um, it, it agrees to let, <sighs> agrees to let Dewey take the stage <laughs> for the night. No, yeah. The way he's waiting with his guitar to go on with his hairnet still on. <laughs> and this is where we first see Sam as a young man, right? Yeah, that's right. Because Sam's in the band at the nightclub. He's and the drummer. He's like... Scared? A little? Well, you should be. Those Jews control show business. Just lay it down exactly like Bobby does. He's like, no, uh, no pressure, but there's going to be suits from the record company here tonight. And we look up and it's a trio of Hasidic Jewish men. Yeah. Uh, um, Chaim. It's a record label. <laughs> and at first I was like, why is this joke in here? But then Tim Meadows reminded me, Jews to control the media. What the fuck, John? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. If is he Jewish? I don't know. I, it's fine if he's Jewish, but like the, the other the other writer might be. I really fucking hope so. Okay. Anyway, and so Dewey gets up there. Uh, it's the black scent. Yeah, no, the black because it's the, it's one thing that he's doing. He's doing Bobby's show, 
And so he thinks he has to act like Bobby Shad. Yeah, and like it's the, and it's a wholly black clientele. Yeah, and um, they are super offended by it at first. As well, they should be. And but then he gets to singing. Oh boy! And they start dancing just like they would any night with Bobby Shad. song you gotta love your negro man no pardon me for the use of the word uh, but that's what he's singing that's what it's called it's so wild carrie they dance erotically they love it the talent suits including harold ramus love him and then what do we see oh boy <laughs> john michael higgins was born to be offensive <laughs> Like just that character you want to punch in the face. Whenever he's in a movie, he is always he is always racist in any role he plays. Oh no! Like literally, do you remember Pitch Perfect? He's one of the uh, broadcasters with Elizabeth Banks. I've actually never Pitch seen per- that. So, oh, he dropped his phone. Oh no! You've never seen Pitch Perfect. I've never seen Pitch Perfect. We're watching it. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's a white people movie, but like, yeah. it's a feel-good cracker movie. Um, a feel-good cracker movie. <laughs> and Carrie, what the? F- He's they're doing a demo, right? Because this is a record producer, right? Yeah, this is a this is a reference to how Elvis got his big break because <laughs> they're singing. What are they singing, Carrie? They're singing a country western music version of That's Amore. It's like if Conway Twitty sang That's Amore. <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like what the hell is this? Pizza pie, what's in a pizza pie? All right, hopefully you stop that. Stop your singing. Stop your singing this instant, young man. My first big belly laugh I got out of this was when the music producer commands him to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Stop, 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 stop that right now. No one has done anything as bad as you just did with that Samore. Which, listen, I was kind of loving it. It was kind of catchy. Yeah, and so in order to get another chance with the execs, he tells the producer he's going to sing one of his songs that no one in his little band has practiced and that they couldn't possibly know the words to, right? Yeah. But this is a biopic. Yeah. So. (laughs) And this is what happens in Walk the Line, right? Isn't it? The producer hates the first things he's singing because they're all gospel tunes. And then Johnny Cash is like, well, Joaquin Phoenix is like, let me sing you one I wrote myself. Just give me one more chance. And it's that one more chance. And Dewey does the same thing. And the way the producer goes, you have 15 more seconds of my time. (laughs) And so he turns to the band the same way Joaquin Phoenix does and walk the line and goes, just follow my lead. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they do. And he starts singing what? Walk hard. He starts singing walk hard. That's right. Walk hard. Hard. Walk hard. Down life's rocky road, walk bold, hard, that's my creed, my code. I've been scorned and slandered and ridiculed too. And 
with it's the in the first three notes, the record producer perks up <laughs> and turns to the Lahayim folks <laughs> oh, no. as if he's just struck oil. Yeah, um, Barry, he looks like Barry Gordy after he heard the Jackson 5 sing for the first time. And Walk Hard is an immediate hit. People go wild. They Dewey is exposed. Yeah, like, exposed? I think you mean, um, I don't think that's what you mean. Catapulted to start. <laughs> Exposed, <laughs> and uh, he's getting all the money, all of the radio he's spots, topping the charts. The girls who are like, he walks so hard. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? He buys a new house for him and Edith. He buys a chimpanzee and a giraffe named Shorty, which that is a direct at at Michael Jackson. What's the chimpanzee's name? It's Miles. Miles, you're right, it is Miles. <laughs> and I love that every time we see Edith in a new scene, there's another baby. The laughable amount of kids. <laughs> there's like five of them now. <laughs> yeah, it's because you can't keep track of them and walk the line. <laughs> That's what they're making fun of in every new scene with what's her balls. Is it Carrie Mulligan that plays her? I, I don't think, know. I think, I think. There's always another kid. Like, <laughs> and like <laughs> this, is, this is the point in the movie where the fame starts to interfere with their personal lives. Right, right, right. He's like, he's like, he's he's actually insisting that he buy her a pet crow to be a stand-in for his company. How about if I get you a, uh, a crow that can talk, and I teach him phrases that I say. Good morning, honey. But it'll be little crow talking. This ain't about no exotic pets. It's about love. You stupid piece of shit. <laughs> and Carrie, who's in the band? We've got. Theo, that's Chris Parnell. The bass player. We've got we've got Dave, who's the piano player, and then of course there's Sam. He's the drummer. Yeah. And he's from the Shad band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's clearly picked up a new gig. And uh where are we playing? I don't know where we're playing exactly, but some gig. Yeah, this is just a gig, and for reasons I can't remember, With the really big lineup. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. For reasons I can't remember, the 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 lineup needs to be shuffled. Yeah, no, it's Big Bopper, and then it's Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Then Elvis Presley and then Dewey Cox. Uh, yeah, why they would put him at the end, I don't understand. And but... Dewey is super intimidated by this. Oh, How yeah. are you supposed to follow Elvis? How are you supposed to follow the king of rock and roll? Jack White's, like, hilariously bad. Like, Jack White of the White Stripes. That's why I didn't mention him in We've Got Names. It was so bad, I couldn't stand it. It, like, like... it, was, such, it was a hilariously bad on purpose impression. I, I adored it. Dang it, Elvis Presley, you didn't have to rile him up like that. <laughs> what now? No, I'm just... Excuse me, what? I'm just saying, we gotta follow that and... Listen to this right now. There's two things you need to know. Uh -huh. I'm the king, and number two is... Look out, man! Look at that, they're coming at you, you see that? It's called karate, man, and only two kinds of people know it. The Chinese and the king. And one of them is me. And, and Frankie Muniz is Buddy Holly? <laughs> I can't. I can't with any of this. Uh, I wonder if he remembers. Stop. That was rude of me. It was. I'm sorry, Frankie. God. Uh, and guys, this might be my favorite song from uh, the no, soundtrack. I, I wrote, this is the song you like so much, yes? Yes. It's supposed to be a love song for Edith, right? Yeah. All the girls in the audience are creaming their girdles and hey! making eyes. Oh, Carrie. <laughs> that was unkind. <laughs> sorry. Not a good... Never say that again! <laughs> gotcha. Yuck! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You just kind of took me back there. I'm taking it back. Uh, okay. You took me aback. 
Sorry. Sorry, moving on. Anyway. And um, what's it called again? A Life Without You. The amount of times Carrie Ann has played this in the car. Darling, you must believe I could never leave you if I tried. A life without you is no life at all. Oh my god. It is good. It is it's, it's like you forget. You forget it's making fun of something because it's so legitimately good. The way he's throwing his whole self into it. I know. John C. Riley's such a good singer. I know. Uh, oh, my God. And so Principal Sullivan, <laughs> Sam. I love calling him Principal Sullivan. I've, call, I've referred to him as Principal Sullivan in my notes because he's from Mean Girls. Principal Sullivan gives Dewey <laughs> reefer. Oh, yeah, this is the beginning of Dewey trying every drug under the sun. Yeah, no. And it always happens in the same way. He always finds Sam in the bathroom with some naked women and illicit drugs. Yeah. And it al- he always goes, Dewey, get out of here. You don't want no part of this. You don't want no part of this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't want to overdose on it. You can't OD on it. It's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex even better. Sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. Hmm. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. (laughs) Okay, but just this once. Come on in. Sam was insistent it's not going to make you act crazy. It's marijuana, for crying out loud. And then, as you know, reefer madness, reefer madness. Reefer madness, reefer madness. No, we cut to the next morning. He's on the phone with Edith. And I just love it because the shots keep getting wider and wider. And there's just more and more naked people in this hotel room that he's in. All the bandmates are in there. There's a couple of roadies. They've all got a woman. Some of them have more than one woman. They're working, smoking, and and just sleeping. Laying around naked, like what did we miss? We saw a penis. I we yeah. I was like, because at first a naked woman gets up and walks across the screen, like crotch first, and I was like, well, of course. But then the dick came out, and I was like, what? And he's on the phone with his wife, with Edith. Dewey, there's a distance growing between us. I feel, and I, I don't like it. Oh, now that is crazy talk, Edith. Come on, you know I'm just the same old Dewey. Hey, Dewey. Yes, Bert. You see my sandals? I don't know. I'm talking to my wife, Bert. Baby, there's somebody at the door. Listen, I gotta go. Can I call you when I get to New Jersey? Okay, bye. Okay? I love you. All right. I love you. I love you. You're never going to make it, okay? Okay, bye. And he's like, all right, I got to go because there's a knock at the door, right? He's like, all right, honey, I got to go. There's someone at the door. And she's like, okay, all right, I love you. You'll never make it. (laughs) Remember that. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's very Kristen Wiig. And he goes to the hotel room door. He opens it up. It's Pa Cox. Oh, no. Pa Cox is here to explain to Dewey that Ma Cox is dead. (laughs) And the reason Pa Cox thinks... She's dead is because of Dewey's music. Okay, so let me break it down for you. She was hearing his song on the radio, right? She got excited. She's your kid. He's singing on the radio. And, like, they're dancing around. She pulls him frustrated into a dance, and, like, he's almost into it. And then she trips over the radio cord and falls through the second-story window. And she's fine to begin with, but then the radio falls out after her and crushes her head. You all right, Ma? I'm all right. 
She lost her balance and fell out the window. And then the radio crushed her head. While she was dancing to your song. He's literally like, you made her happy and it killed her. You're never going to make it okay. Your music kills people. <laughs> oh my God. He's the most infuriating part of this. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, and again, the wrong kid died. Yeah, I got sick of hearing him say that by the end of it. I was like, okay, this bit has gone on too long. If your brother was alive, this never would have happened. Oh, brother. So then Principal Sullivan gives Dewey cocaine. Oh, no. It makes all your bad thoughts good thoughts. And then I love that we deviate from the parody of the times a little bit here because the doing of the cocaine then makes Dewey write heavy metal music. I think it's supposed to be punk but I, I get what you're saying. Just the kind of stuff where I don't know how those performers, one, don't completely blow out their voice boxes or two, don't have aneurysms live on stage. I don't know either. his mind <laughs> and then in walks Darlene Madsen. Yeah, Darlene Madison appears to be June Carter. Oh, I said Madsen. <laughs> I meant Madison. Yeah, Darlene Madison appears to be the June Carter. Uh, yeah, I, I can tell by the way she's carrying herself that's what she's doing. Dewey's newest backup singer, right? The comedically huge cross she's wearing. I love Jenna Fisher. <laughs> she's so funny. Like, <laughs> And yep, five, six, seven, eight, we're playing footsie. I love this song, too. It's called Let's Duet, but, like, the let's do it. Yes, yes. This, I love puns and songs, and I love sexually inappropriate humor in Le songs. Let's duet in all the ways that make <laughs> us feel good. In my dreams, you're blowing me some kisses. That's one of my favorite things to do. You and I could go down in history. That's what I'm praying to do with you. Let's do it in ways that make us feel good. And this begin this is the beginning of this horny montage <laughs> of Dewey and Darlene getting physically closer together. <laughs> and like they're it's interspliced with them singing Let's Duet on stage and just like hanging out, just being friends. Just being right? friends. I can't. We can't, Dewey. We just have to be friends. Oh boy. And like Darlene's insistent, we can just be friends because you're married. Yeah. And then like we're where they're fucking like building things yeah, together. They're doing woodworking and there's all of these um <laughs> like they do in one <laughs> all this <laughs> There's all this masturbatory motion going on yeah. with the tools. It's it's great. I was howling. And like when they're in that stable Aww. and he sees the axe laid up against the stable wall and he is triggered. Yeah. Because he's thinking about cutting his brother in half, right? No. He's having flashbacks. When there's when she's trying to calm him down and he goes, Did you ever have something that you really loved? That you accidentally killed? Or hurt in some way? With a machete? No. No, me neither. 
Wouldn't that be terrible, though? How would you live with yourself? I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> He's not telling her! Or like, have you ever accidentally cut someone in half? No. Yeah, no, me neither. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so they keep on the road together on the tour they, and guys they get married uh yeah a five six seven eight we're marrying and, and i'm like what about your wife and five or however many kids i actually looked up johnny cash's profile uh-huh. to see if he participated in bigamy yeah if he wasn't divorced from vivian before he married june and th- that wasn't the case okay well this that's is good. just for the comedy yeah because as soon as you're thinking what about your wife yeah she walks in hold on no what? No, you are not getting past this. No, come on. They're getting ready to bang. <laughs> Darlene they... looks sexy as fuck. She's laid out on the bed, very LDR. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, and you hear John C. Riley off camera go, I'm ready for sex. I've been waiting for this for so long. Me too. From the moment I laid eyes on you. And he's like walking weird over to her. <laughs> and th- I I really hope this was improv. <laughs> he whinnies like a horse <laughs> and snorts. Oh. oh my. How did they get through this? <laughs> and the way Jenna Fisher goes, oh. <laughs> He's got her legs on his chest. We're going to start with this pose. Ready to insert. Edith walks in. Oh, criminy. Who are you? I'm his wife. That's who I am. No, you're not. I'm his... Good Lord, you're already married? I can explain. You can explain to her. You should be explaining to me. I am the mother of your children. That's not what it looks like. You have children? Darling, that's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like to me, or it's not what it looks like to her. Yeah, because it's got to be the way it looks like to at least one of us. So, yeah, guys, Edith is leaving him after catching him with Darlene. <laughs> the, I love this scene where they're arguing. Oh, my God. She's going back and forth between this car and the house, taking each one of the comedic amount of kids <laughs> out of the house. She's packing her things. She's and he's he's trying to play it so hard here. He's like, I don't need you. I don't need any of you. He's pointing at the baby. Oh, so I'm a cheater, but y'all can just drink up all the milk. <laughs> oh my god. Do we what? The way she's going to take the chimp with her. Oh, and he's like, no, you can have the kids, but don't you <laughs> dare take Miles. What happened to Shorty? Uh, I don't Where's know. Where's the giraffe? Did we have to sell the giraffe? I don't know, man. You expected me to keep track of the giraffe in this nonsense? You're right. So after she leaves, Principal Duvall gives Dewey uppers and downers. Yeah, we pick up a pill habit like almost immediately. And Dewey spirals. Oh, yeah. It results in Dewey getting arrested. Oh, but the song that plays over this bit. Guilty as charged. Like, honestly, out of all of them, this is the most Johnny Cash sounding song to me. I know, right? Like, because not only was that a thing Johnny Cash was famous for, was getting locked up. Got a little bit of a salsa vibe to this song, a which I bit. like. Guilty. I'm guilty as charged. I ain't asking God to forgive my sins. Take a good look and you'll know where I've been. I'm dancing with the devil every night and every day. People pay attention to the things that I say. 
is dark, period, right? He's literally the man in black now. You've seen Walk the Line. <laughs> He's chain smoking and doing pills and snorting cocaine before performances. He's passing out at the mic, drinking, crying all the time, making his bandmates wife swap with him. What the fuck? And like, get- yeah, is it, is, what's his name? Dave. Dave, yeah, he fucks Dave's wife. Oh my God. Uh, and then, guys, Dewey has to do rehab once he gets arrested. Yeah, I know. This, I was pissing my pants <laughs> because it's this sequence, you know, tied down to this bed in this white room with this nurse hovering over him. And he's like, I'm so cold. We need more blankets. We need more blankets. I think he has too many blankets. Fewer blankets! I'm hot and cold at the same time! He needs more blankets and he needs less blankets. I'm afraid you're right. I'm hot and cold at the same time! We need more blankets and less blankets! (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I, It has me dying and then in the middle of it all... Darlene is here. Yeah, because he's about to be done with rehab, and Darlene, who has been ignoring him since she found out he was still married, she is suddenly here to support him. All all these blankets saved my life, Darlene. Stop. Yeah, because now he's a completely different person now. Prison and rehab somehow just erased the entirety of who he used to be. The hitting and the choking and the making out. Oh, yeah, they have the most awkward sex right in the world, right there in the facility. Like, uh, All right. It's 1966. We're in Berkeley, California. And Dewey is focused on injustice. We've moved into the late 60s era, civil rights movement, all that good stuff. The Vietnam War. And he's like, I want to be focused on people having injustices done to them, like women and midgets. I know, Judd. With that horrible word. I, uh... Like, somehow, this always happens, I swear to God. In the music of that era, it was somehow not the disenfranchised people who were at the center of the musical movement behind that time period, but it was always white men. It was the wealthy white people. Oh, my God. And, like, he's writing protest songs. He sounds like Bob Dylan now. He automatically sounds like, but Carrie? (laughs) The Bob Dylan bit? (laughs) I needed to change my pants at this point. (laughs) It made me fucking piss. Like... He's standing up on this stage, it's like this Woodstocky vibe, and he sounds exactly. John C. Riley is once again an amazing imitator. He sounds just like Bob Dylan. Mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum. Rim job fairy teapots mask the temper tantrum. Oh, say can you see him? Stuffed cabbages, the darling of the laundromat. The mouse with the overbite explained how the rabbit. What the hell is this song about? I have no idea. You guys are idiots. This song is very deep. I'm gonna, I know you just listened to them, but I'm gonna read them out loud again because. This is how rambling he is. <laughs> and it's just it's so, it's just so funny the way they're making fun of Bob. Mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum. <laughs> Rim job fairy teapots mask the temper tantrum. Oh say can you see him? <laughs> 
stuffed cabbage is the darling of the laundromat and the sorority mascot sat with the lumberjack. Pressing, passing, stinging, half-synthetic fabrication of his time. The mouse with the overbite explained how the rabbits were ensnared in the skinny, scanty, silk trash the apothecary diplomat inside the three-eyed monkey within inches of his toaster oven life. It's one. Of, it's like that Twitter account where the guy allegedly teaches a bot to write scripts by making them watch a bunch of content. It's like if you fed all of Bob Dylan's discography. <laughs> yeah, I made a bot watch a thousand hours of it. I made a bot listen to a thousand hours of Bob Dylan, and this is what it spit out. Now we have lyric salad. I've read you that text message before that Chloe sent. It was a voice memo, and it was just picking up everything in the background <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah i do remember. i have to know kirani asada tacos some fried <laughs> avocado tacos shri corn crispy potato spicy little drink on the side <laughs> call daniel for rub jalapeno cornbread andre at all nothing but i know i know being out digging in the earth for wood neighbors invited us to go that's what that sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a dictionary in a dryer <laughs> that's a great way of putting it and while he's doing the bob dylan bit the, the the band members who are not so involved anymore, they're standing off stage going, what is this about? <laughs> I love Sam. He turns immediately to them and goes, you're idiots. Yeah, like, and I shit you not, the exact same thing happened to me in a poetry class at college. Because people who are super into Bob Dylan are very protective of Bob Dylan. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh my god. They're like the Swifties of their day. And so Dewey goes to India. Oh my God. With, you guessed it, the Beatles. Because the Beatles went to India, so of course he's going to India. And guys, this had me in pieces. The best part about the Beatles are the actors playing them. Again, some of the most high paid comedians at the time Paul Rudd is John Lennon. Jack Black is Paul McCartney. Jason Schwartzman is Ringo Starr. And Justin Long is George Harrison. <laughs> They're not even credited. This was just a weekend for them. It's so dark in this tent, you know. It reminds me when we, the Beatles, the four Beatles, mm. us. From Liverpool. Yeah, we are from Liverpool. Liverpool. We used to play those dark clubs in Hamburg. You remember that, Paul? Of course I do. I booked them. I'm the leader of the Beatles. But I have to say, I like your stuff. It's pretty good, and uh, most of your records I really enjoy. Well, we're big fans of your records, too. We like to think that Hard Day's Night is our guilty as charged. Great record. Excellent oh, album. I kind of love Paul Rudd's Lennon. He sounds perfect. <laughs> Jack Black is awful. <laughs> In his British accent, but it's still no, so funny. I think that's a commentary on how these biopics will slap the most random people in weird roles for them. But you know who did it the best? Who? Justin Long. <laughs> he sounded exactly like George Harrison. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was pretty great. You know where you know him from, right? George Harrison or Justin Long? Justin Long. Oh, Justin Long was with us in Dodgeball. I just saw Barbarian, which he's in. What a Girl Wants. Oh, and What a Girl he's Wants. He's the fling in What a Girl Wants. Yeah, that's right. And guys, guys, guys. <laughs> Do uh, Dewey and Darlene decide to drop acid with the Beatles. They are doing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, baby. And then we have this LSD trip cartoon it that we meld into. It looks like Yellow Submarine. As the cartoon's starting, they're like, try not to have any bad thoughts. <laughs> oh, you don't no. want to have a bad trip, do you? <laughs> oh, no. And then 
never get what triggers it. He just goes, John C. Riley in cartoon <laughs> form. I had a bad thought. Just keep thinking happy thoughts, Louis. I'd hate for this to turn into a bad trip. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's that scary music? I had an unhappy thought. It's a bad trip. Bad trip, bad trip. Help. Trippy machete. Oh, fuck me. I can see my large colon. And then, like, the, the, the machete cutting him in half. Yeah. Like, <laughs> triggered. Stop. Then, guys... This is insane. <laughs> I'm sure it's a bit of a time jump here. It's eight months later, and Dewey has lost it. Because he's addicted to LSD. And he does not live in reality with everyone else. We're in this recording studio, one of these big recording studios for orchestras, because there is one. <laughs> and there, Carrie... <laughs> He's got instrumentation from every walk of life in this room. <laughs> While he himself is in the main hub, singing over all of it, the band, the bandmates aren't even playing with the instruments. They're... Now, I think we're still making fun of the Beatles here because this was also when John Lennon was bringing Yoko into the fold and being super experimental. He's got didgeridoos and African chanters and like... There's a doing backup vocals. Yeah! What in the name of the Lord? And we hear it all playing, and it's not good. <laughs> this is not a good song. It's like five songs on top of each other at the same time. Not even a song. It's some kind of concerto. Now that the blade has been This song is not good. <laughs> it sounds like five songs stacked on top of each other. Because it is. Yeah, it is. It sure is. Oh, my God. And so they've decided he needs a little bit of a reality check. Dave is the <laughs> one that does it, right? He yeah. puts him in the room and he goes... What are these songs even about? Yeah. You're talking about cutting people in half. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And Theo and Sam and Dave are all like, Dewey, why do we have to do all this shit? Can't we just walk hard? God. Like we used to? The he band takes his inventory. You slept with my wife. You slept with me too. And I've had confused feelings about that for 10 years now. And you never once paid for drugs. Not once. You're on your own, Dewey Cox. We're leaving. Well, I guess this is the end of a chapter in your life, Dewey Cox. And then they leave him. Yeah, they basically all tell him to shove it. And I love the way Sam goes, well, I guess this is the end of another chapter in your life. <laughs> and Sam really wants him to know, you never once paid for any of the drugs I gave you. What's so mean, Dewey? Darlene confronts him about his drug use and the fact that he's driving away everybody he loves. And like, he, I'm sorry. It's the pulling the sinks out of the wall in rage. He yeah. does it twice in the movie. And so does Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. So does Joaquin Phoenix. Oh my God. And like, he's telling her, I'm going to quit drugs. I'm going to quit again. And Darlene is like, just like June was to Johnny, you're driving everyone away with your drug use. Mm -hmm. All right. We got to rein it in. 
and <laughs> and they give each other a hug as it like they're making up he's like all right i'm gonna quit the drugs it'll be different from now on and as he's pulling away from the hug he's popped something into his mouth <laughs> and she's like what was that what did you just put in your mouth gum you ain't chewing no gum candy what did you put in your mouth it's pcp oh you just said wow i'm going to town the purple moon is rising i can see it this leads to him running through the streets in nothing but thong underwear goes on a rampage he is literally flipping cars launching mailboxes through storefront windows. He climbs up a building to get away from the cops with <laughs> nightsticks. Oh my god! And like, oh, she, Darlene's on the ground literally serving him with a divorce. Yeah, Darlene's like, that, that's it. That's enough. I'm leaving you, Dewey. That's it. And so Dewey goes to jail. Again. The way he is sitting across from his manager in the jail. So rehab, right? Yeah, rehab again. <laughs> he goes back to jail and then back to rehab. And while he's in rehab, he starts hallucinating, not the little version of his brother, Nate, but an uncredited Jonah Hill. As the adult version that never existed of his brother, Nate? See, this is also something very personal from Johnny Cash's personal life. He, in a documentary or like a, a story or something, said that as he got older, he would talk to Jack all the time. And when he talked to Jack, Jack would always be two years older than he was. He imagined him growing up as a young man. That's super sad. I know. And then they're making fun of it here. And I feel a little weird about they're that. They're making fun of Walk the Line. I know. Not Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just came to tell you, you need to get your shit together. I know. I've fallen again. Will you listen to yourself? You keep whining like a little bitch. If I was alive right now, I'd be the fucking president of the United States. I'd be on the moon walking around looking for aliens to kill. What? It's where Nate's like, come on, you were supposed to be double great, remember? And you're kind of messing everything you're up. You're ruining your life. That, did I literally just get cut in half and die for nothing? Like, I mean, I get it. I've never cut my brother in half with a machete before, but I, I don't... I don't had a brother as a kid at this point. Yeah, anyway, so after that's done, it's 1976, and Dewey is healthier. Yeah, I have holy Mary, mother of God, are we going to get all the way up to the aughts, like, in the next 30 minutes somehow? Yeah, somehow. <laughs> somehow. So, yeah, we're in the late 70s, but Dewey has writer's block. Oh, yeah. He doesn't know what to write about anymore. He's all alone now, except for all the women he's always got hanging all over him. And what did celebrities do when they couldn't sell enough records? They got television shows. Oh, man, guys. Um... The Dewey Cox Show, a television variety musical program. I have not the disco version of Walk Hard. I, 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 it's bad. Walk hard, 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 down lines, rocky road. Walk bold, hard, hard, that's my creed, my code. Like, I'm not one of those people that thinks that disco sucks. I'm just not that person. But I also think this really sucks. I love it because... They can make the songs so good, right? And then they can make them bad on purpose, and it's still very, uh, shall I say, there's a craft to it. 
to make something bad on purpose because if it's too bad, you'll cringe, right? Yeah. And, and you won't like it at all. The mashup with the Partridge Family theme. Yeah, I Hello know. Hello world, it's a song that we're singing. I, I don't know the rest of it, but like... There's sketch comedy on this show? It's, uh, <laughs> That's not even one of his talents. <laughs> My favorite line from this part of the movie, more cocks after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so ratings are in the toilet, mm-hmm. and he's talking to his manager, Schwartzberg, about it. Schwartzberg is like, we need more exposure. We're going to get you a TV interview. Oh, no. Really sell the show, you know? And who's here but Gail, the news reporter, to do this TV interview? It's Jane Lynch. She's doing her best hard copy impression, and that's funny as hell, because she hasn't done a lick of research about interviewing him, right? This interview goes perfectly. (laughs) And by perfect, you mean hilariously. She's asking about his dead mother, his father who hates him, the children he doesn't talk to. The fact that he can't smell. Oh, that was so funny. Why don't we uh, lighten it up just a bit here? Tell me, you're so busy, Dewey Cox. Do you have time to stop and smell the roses? I've got no fucking sense of smell. All right, I'm done. All right, Come on now, folks. That would have been nice information to have. Yeah. When he's talking about his kids... Yeah. ...that he never sees and how he's in a constant custody battle with the multiple mothers... ...who want to force custody on him. And he's like, and I think, Pete, I think if you want, you should be able to walk away from things like that. And I'm like... Your children? Yeah, no, it's like... I know. It's, yeah. It's a lot. And so Dewey's trying to get a fucking grip on things, and he decides that in order to satiate his demons, it would be a great idea... To confront his father? Yeah, to go home and try to talk things out with his horrible father. And by the way, it wasn't his idea. Jonah Hill Ghost came back and told him to do it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't write that part down. (laughs) But yeah, he goes to the same barn where he cut his brother in half to confront his father. And he's like, I just want to tell you that I love you. I appreciate you finding the courage to say that, Dewey. But there's only one way to settle this. Machetes. What? The right kid is gonna die tonight. And then we have a machete battle between father and son. This was so out of pocket. I, 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 because... We can all see where this is going, right? Yeah, Paul Cox cuts himself in half. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> the way he goes with, again, just like the kid, with his top half fully articulate next to his disarticulated legs, <laughs> he goes, I guess I am just now realizing how easy it is to cut yourself in half. My God, this was a really bad case of someone <laughs> being cut in half. And, like, he just... This, this had me rolling the way he's like... In case I don't make it... Oh. You're going to make it. It's the 1970s. They got all kinds of new procedures that can attach tops to bottoms now. Hang in there. Dewey, I love, I love. You love what? Paul, you love what? Come on, one more word. (laughs) You love what? And he dies? Oh, my God. And John C. Riley is taking it so seriously. Yeah. I was like, oh, John, it's a parody. But good job, buddy. (laughs) Ah, Oh, my God. I don't know how it happens. But Duford Cox Jr. (laughs) comes back into Dewey's life. He's his kid with Darlene. Is he? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm just going to have to trust you on that because, again, that's the joke. You can't keep track of them. And I don't... I- did not pay attention greatly to this scene, but what did get me? Oh, this because the kid wants to connect with him, right? He asks him to play catch. Yeah, I know. And he's like, "Catch? Well, I've never played catch before." He goes, "There is nothing in this world I want more than to have a catch with you." So forgive me. This is going to sound strange, but. What is your name again? I'm Dewey Jr., but my friends call me Dewdrop. Son, this is going to sound strange, but what is your name again? <laughs> no, when he when he said that, this is going to sound strange, but what is your name? I lost it. He goes, I'm Dewford, Dewey Cox Jr., but all my friends call me Dewdrop. Oh, barf. I, uh, like, <laughs> and then we see... Oh, this is great. We see Dewey playing catch with each of his 36 children. Oh, I'm glad we both got the same math on that. Yes. Yeah, he's got 36 kids with a myriad of women. He's decided that after watching his dad accidentally kill himself, that it would be better to be a present father and to embrace family life a little bit more. I love that it's happening to a Partridge family song. And we're, we're he- yeah, we're healing, right? We're healing those children and being there for them after <laughs> being there for, after not being there for years. This goes on for like 20 years. Yeah, no, I was going to say, in later life, Dewey has embraced family. He's gray now. It's 1992. Yeah. And, like, he's just got all these kids living with him on his big ranch in Tennessee. He's teaching them how to rear sheep. He's teaching them the ins and outs of Macbeth for some reason. And then who reappears? Darlene. Darlene. In the bad age makeup. Yeah, I know. I love it. It's just me. And I'm 50. (laughs) And still hot. And still hot. Well, I haven't been playing too much music the last few years. I realize now I wasn't much of a father when I was out on the road. Now this is what makes me happy. Not the music, not getting high, just my family. That's all I care about. And that family is missing one piece, Darlene. And he's, the way they're getting closer and closer to one another, and she likes that he's now embracing the family life and everything. Uh It's the line for me. Uh Uh-huh. You don't want this dirty old cocks. Oh my god and Why? then they kiss and he's he's sniffing her head yeah he can smell her hair <laughs> oh no and then he's like i smelt it you mean <gasps> i smelt it <gasps> i can smell again <laughs> i smelt it i smelt you Smell it! Oh. oh, you've been driving a while! <laughs> I smelled it! I smelled it! I found it gone! It's a miracle! And then he gets down on the ground and starts smelling the grass and the dirt and the flowers. He picks up a pile of horse shit <laughs> and huffs it. 
It's a miracle, Darlene screams. He all of a sudden, through the healing of the examination of generational trauma, oh, no. has regained his power of scent. This, this again, I was hoping that we would deal with that again, but I didn't think he was going to magically get it back because of the love of Darlene. Smell that shit, baby. Oh, no. We cut to even further in the future. Yeah, it's 2007 now. And who is here? It's Dreidel Lahayim, isn't it? Oh, yeah, this is the this is the elder Lahayim's son. Yeah, and he is here to make Dewey aware of something big happening in music right now. A rapper <laughs> by the name of Lil Nutsack <laughs> has been sampling Walk Hard, and it's a bad sample. <laughs> it is a bad sample. It's a rap song with Dewey's vocals over the back of it. Time to play, make your mouth into a whole new Tell me how I feel when I'm rocking your fuck you hard. I have it all capital letters. So help me Jesus, if this ends with a rap number, I quit. I'm not watching the last 10 minutes. I refuse. And there's like this Dewey Cox renaissance that's happening. And Dreidel, I hate that his name is Dreidel. Dreidel informs him that they want to give him the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, because he's suddenly relevant again. Suddenly. Like Johnny Cash. I mean, yeah. In the early 2000s. All right, because of the Nine Inch Nails thing. He covered all those songs in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, I forgot about that. Because it was Johnny Cash. Yeah. and like Famous, classic Johnny Cash is now covering Sting and Nine Inch Nails. (laughs) And you're like, I did. And Ario Speedwagon. And you're like, what the fuck? No, as a culture, we're like, hey, I didn't ask for this, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm really into it. Keep doing that, Johnny. (laughs) And so now he's expected to perform (laughs) after all these years. So what does Dewey do? What's he got to do, Carrie? He's got to get the band back together. I'm sorry I asked you and then said it anyway. No, yeah, because he's like he doesn't he doesn't really want to step immediately back into this. He's afraid of the temptations of the life. Yeah. Right. But you you know that I almost called her June. You know that Darlene's like, you just get back in there, you'll be fine. When he goes to find Dave and he punches him in the face. <laughs> Dave punches him in the face. Yeah, he opens up his trailer door and punches Dewey <laughs> right in the face and then helps him up and embraces him. I love that. When Theo opens the door <laughs> and just leaps into his arms with happiness. <laughs> I forget what he finds Sam doing, but... He brought him a humongous bag of marijuana. That's right, as payment <laughs> for all the drugs. Oh, man. And so... We we cut to the Lifetime Achievement Show. And my stars and garters, Lyle Lovett, Jackson Brown, and fucking Jewel are on stage doing a cover of Walk, Walk Hard. Hard. Yeah. Please welcome Jewel, Lyle Lovett, and Jackson Brown. Walk Hard. of the Wu-Tang Clan mm-hmm. comes out and starts rapping over it. Absolutely. And like, I just... It's so bad. It's, I kind of love it, though. I'm uncomfortable during it. He, he was the last person I expected to walk out there. Ghostface Killer! 
walking hard, I'm a real hard walker. Fast in the trigger and a smooth talker. My guns pop out like a jack in the box. I cut you in half like Dewey Cox. Whoa, My skin stay scarred, you can ask God. Lots of ladies unsnap they bras. The actual temptations are here? Like, guys, the temptations are in this movie. <laughs> in this fool ass fucking film. <laughs> I'm like, how did they get them to come here? Speaking of people, how did they get them to come here? Eddie Goddamn Vetter is presenting the award. This is where we come back to John C. Riley leaning against that wall. Yeah, it's been about an hour and 36 minutes. Yeah. And, like, this is going to be his swan song, right? Like, that last great project before you go off to that big ranch in the sky because, type of thing. Yeah, earlier when he was talking with his grandson, Raheem. Yeah, do, do, Dewey Raheem, exactly. And Raheem was asking him about his life, and he said it was what, Carrie? A beautiful ride. A beautiful ride. And you know what, guys? I do like this song as well. Because he toddles out there. He's 71 years old. He's going to play the guitar and sing with his bandmates. And, like, I swear to God, Ross, at the 11th hour, this movie's trying to make me feel something. Yeah, I know. And then in the end, it's family and friends. Loving yourself, but not only yourself. It's about the good walk and the hard walk. And the young girls you made cry It's about making little music every day till you die It's a beautiful ride Like, again, if I wasn't watching the movie and just had my eyes closed, it's such a beautiful song, but then the fool-ass shit that's happening during the song, like this montage of events from his life, like ruining the sinks and delivering <laughs> Sam's comedically fake baby. Yeah, yeah. And using Theo as a meat shield during a gun standoff? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all over the place. And like in the audience, we see Edith. She's old now, but with a very young Hispanic man on her arm. Love that. And like the band is back together and Darlene's up there doing back up with him. Uh-huh. It's a great, it is a nice moment, even though we're supposed to be laughing inside. Like, <laughs> like his entire family is Jedi ghosting in the wings. I know. Schwartzberg is in the audience, <laughs> dies during the performance of a heart attack, <laughs> and then joins Ghost Ma and Ghost Pa on stage. I can't. I absolutely cannot. It, it was... I... It's like fucking Luke with Darth Vader <laughs> and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh my god. it he gets to the end of that song and everyone's <laughs> clapping this took me out and then it freeze frames and then we get some on-screen text dewey cox died three minutes after this performance <laughs> and then it comes up at the bottom dewey cox 1936 to 2007 <laughs> When I read, because I was, I was anticipating the on-screen text. That's where it always goes, mm -hmm. right? At the end of a biopic. It happened at the end of Rosa. And I'm sure it happens at the end of Walk the Line. And when it came, when it came up, 
Dewey died three minutes after this performance. <laughs> <laughs> and it cuts to a picture of him clutching his chest. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I made Gavin stop cooking dinner and come in and watch, watch it. it. Uh, oh, my it God. It got me, too. I laughed out loud <laughs> with no one there with me. Uh, oh, man. Guys. That was so much fun. Yeah, that was an unexpected treat. And that was the first it was that was the first viewing for both of us too. <laughs> We'd never seen this movie before. I wish we could have cold reacted to it together. I've always seen that movie poster and just thought, okay, it's a movie where John C. Riley is being so cringe it hurts. It's not. It's not. It's a very smart performance and <laughs> Not exactly nuanced. I cannot but... believe this movie bombed so badly. <laughs> it's hilarious. Because isn't the poster for this movie like the famous young lion photos of Jim Morrison or something? That's, yeah, it's that's what they're supposed to look it's like. John C. Riley, yeah, <laughs> and his adorable little body and his puffy nipples. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Listen, I find him incredibly attractive. Oh, I think he's cute. He can sing. He's not bad looking. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, Carrie, that was fun. I'm sad this is over. Yeah, I know. I I don't think either one of us were expecting to have a good time. And we had a pretty good time. we were great. That was not an objectionable way to spend 90 minutes. Uh, some notes. It was racist in parts. Yeah, it was. And culturally culturally insensitive. But that's... That is the nature of a project being unappetizing. Yeah, yeah. Judd, I love some of the things you do, but you make it so hard. <laughs> oh, Judd, we love you, but you're really hard to defend sometimes. All right, guys, we are moving on with parody genre, aren't we? Yeah, we've done a horror film genre. We've done the biopic genre. What are we doing next week, Carrie Ann? Next week, we're doing science fiction fantasy parody. I can't fucking wait. And yes, we will be talking about one of the greats, guys. Mm. One of the greats. One of the best parodists that's ever lived. The 1987 Mel Brooks film. Spaceballs. Mel Brooks is a master of parody. He's a god. I'm so excited. I haven't seen History of the World Part 2 yet. Is it out? Oh yeah, it's on Hulu. I didn't It's on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Hulu. Yeah, and you get you can watch it in 20 minute chunks. They're like episodes. That's funny. Look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. You keep doing that. I don't know why. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.